Welcome to Karura's weekly podcast. Thank you so much for taking your time to journey with us. We hope your spiritual life will be transformed as you listen in. We start in three, two, one. Good morning, Karura. Can we say it like it's a really, really good morning? Hey, my friends. Kuna kabaridi. Hey, hamjambo. Good. Thank you so much. Thank you for the lovely introduction, Kinoti. Um, I'm so blessed to be here. Today is my maiden someone. And so I'm really, really delighted to, to and humbled to be speaking the word of God today. I want to thank Reverend Gare, who is not here today, hopefully watching online, for his many words of encouragement over the years, his many teachings. I have truly sat under him, and um, I, I, I don't take it for granted. I want to thank Reverend George as well, whose really uh, gentle words of encouragement have also brought me to this space. So thank you so much, Reverend George. And to God, of course, I give all the honor and all the glory. I keep telling Reverend Gary that this was never part of my vision board. For those of you who put together vision boards, this was never on my vision board to be standing here uh, to be called pastor. In fact, there are times when I look around and wonder who people are referring to when they say pastor. So, Asante Sana, you know somebody who is preaching for the first time when they come with a tablet, papers, you know, they are fully prepared. Anyway, today, this week uh, takes us to uh, the journey to the cross. Now, as Christians, we might take this week for granted. We might sail through it as if it was just any other week, but it is not. We might leave today from this service and we will go and we'll have lunch fellowship with our friends and with our families. And then, blink of a nine, it is night, Monday starts. We start with the rush of Monday. There are work, there are children, there are spouses, there are other relationships. There is the jam, there are the matatu drivers, there's the annoying um, colleague in the office. It's just busy and it's just hectic. And then, alas, it will be Thursday. And we will breathe a sigh of relief because who doesn't love a four-day weekend, right? Yes, and because it is Easter, we will have planned earlier on. We will have, now it's time we pack our bags. We're going to Mombasa. We're going to enjoy the beach and the ocean that the Lord gave us. We're going to pack our bags. We'll go to the national parks to enjoy the magnificence of the animals that the Lord gave for our enjoyment. And then we will come back and we will still be tired because even vacations can be tiring because we travel a lot. And then Monday will be here and then Tuesday we will begin the rat race again. And this week will have passed. We will not have paused. We will not have stilled ourselves to really reflect on what this week means to you and I as Christians. And so today, I want to encourage us in this week to still your mind, to remember why we are here. We are gathered here today as the Church of Christ. Why you have a hope for eternal life is because of what happened a few thousand years ago during this week. 
Yes? So I'll invite us to be still and to listen, not only today, but also throughout the week. And so the topic for my sermon is the journey to the cross. And I want us to start this journey with Jesus. We need to walk with him in this week. We want to imagine like we were there at that time, that we are seeing him, that we are walking with him, that we are those people who are surrounding him as he walks to Jerusalem. This is what Christ says in John 15, 13, that greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. That is you that Christ has called you his friend. And that's why he walked to Jerusalem. And so let's start this journey just before Palm Sunday. Luke 9:51 says, when the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his eyes to go to Jerusalem. And he sent messengers ahead of him who went and they entered a village of the Samaritans to make preparations for him. But the people, they did not receive him because his face was set towards Jerusalem. Jerusalem meant just one thing for our Lord. It, it meant certain death and he knew it. He was not under any illusion that this was going to be a quick death, nor was it going to be a heroic death. Luke 18 says, see, we are going to Jerusalem and everything that is written about the Son of Man by the prophets, that will be accomplished. Because he will be delivered to the Gentiles. Christ will be mocked, shamefully treated. He will be spat on. He will even be flogged. And then they will kill him. And so when Christ set his face towards Jerusalem, it was a journey to death. And so today in our journey with Christ, imagine that it's just the day before Palm Sunday, which is when the Holy Week officially begins and then we start to tell the story of Easter. And so here as we are going to Jerusalem, we have the crowds, we have the donkey, we have the palm leaves, but yet too often we overlook the story of Mary and her sacrifice. Mary was a sister of Lazarus, Lazarus and Martha. As you will recall, Jesus had raised Lazarus from the death. And so, as you would honor somebody who has done something really good for you, that he had been invited to the home of, of Lazarus and Martha and Mary so that they would honor him for what he had done. And so it is a Saturday and we begin at a much more humble place. There are no cheering crowds. There are no people surrounding Jesus. There is just a table. It's a comfortable space where there are friends. In John 12, 1 to 8, it says that Mary did something unusual. In verse 3, we read, Mary therefore took a pound of expensive ointment from Pionad and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. This ointment wasn't like any other bottle or perfume or cologne that you and I would wear. Every Bible commentary says that this particular ointment was worth a full year's wages. Let's be still there and think about that. 
what does a whole year's worth of wages mean to you? Now imagine writing out a check for Jesus for that amount. That's what Mary did. And so this is where our Easter story begins. It begins with a woman. She was a friend of Jesus and she gave something of value. She humbled herself by washing his feet with her hair because Mary got it. She got it that Christ, he truly deserves our very best. And that is our first lesson in this journey to the cross. That is the lesson of sacrifice. And so now we are in the Holy Week. And so our second lesson is on humility. In the final week of Jesus' life, we find the conflict between the rightful king, that is Christ, and the world's kings, the kings who are there in that day. And this begins when Jesus actually enters Jerusalem and he comes on a donkey. It's truly not a triumphant entry as we would imagine. It is very unimpressive, you know, that the Lord, the God, is not riding a majestic stallion. He is not regaled in silver and gold. He is not even surrounded by those people you would imagine who surround important people and kings like the presidents of our times. You know, they're the rich and the wealthy, the elite. He's not surrounded by any of those. But yet this is precisely the point. And this is the point that we should never lose the significance. It is a message for you and for me that Jesus is not interested in pomp. He's not interested in splendor. Worldly eyes may see Jesus at that time as a pauper prince. But those who truly understood, they ran to him joyfully and they cried, Hosanna. Hosanna means save us. So church, can you join me in saying Hosanna? Can we say Hosanna? Yes, because Christ came to save us. And so Christ came proclaiming the way of true righteousness. And this gave hope to everybody, whether you were rich, whether you were poor in that community. And even for us today, it's really saying that the kingdom of God belongs to everybody, to the young and the old, the ones who are esteemed, the ones who don't feel esteemed. The kingdom of the Lord belongs to everybody. And the power that the world offers to us, it is temporary. And it can be overturned, and it will be overturned by the power of the Lord. Because Jesus demonstrates that the power of God is made known through our weakness. And so that God is able to show that he is able to do anything and everything. And so this Holy Week, I encourage you to look at your life and consider the ways in which you are living out of step with the will of the Lord, knowing with absolute assurance that the Lord will always answer that prayer that you send and you say, save me. The Lord will always answer that prayer. 
So our first lesson was about sacrificing our best. The second lesson was humility. Our third lesson is about worshiping the Lord. In Luke 19, Jesus is coming to Jerusalem and the people who are welcoming him, they have removed their garments. So you can imagine if it was us, you know, um, for weddings, you remove the kangas and you put them on the ground. And they did that so that the Lord would tread over their garments. And maybe there are people that are shouting, maybe they are clapping. They're just praising the Lord for the wonderful miracles that they have seen, that they had experienced, that they had been told about. They were happy because Christ had just brought Lazarus back to life. But also on his way to Jerusalem, he had also um, healed. He had also opened the eyes of two blind men. In this journey, imagine yourself, you're there. What would you have done? If it's in this day, you remove your iPhone and your Samsung, uh -huh, and then you would take a selfie, you know, and then you put it on Instagram or Facebook, and then you put hashtag, I saw Jesus, you know, hashtag Hosanna. And then you might even refresh the app a little bit huh, so that you can see who has liked that you saw Jesus, yeah? And whether Jesus himself, because of course he would be on Facebook, wouldn't he? Whether Jesus himself liked that you saw him, yeah? That is who we have become. Our culture today reinforces that so much about the life that we have. And this is the life that the Lord has given to us. Is about us. That we are more focused and interested on the things that we want. The goals that we have, you know? the progress that we want to make that our hearts are not stilled and they are not surrendered to him but these crowds they got it they knew that it was all about Jesus and so I invite you to be still what will you do differently what decisions will you make in order to keep Jesus first Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. Our fourth lesson is that the Lord must dwell in our hearts. So Jesus has come into Jerusalem on a donkey. There are no more crowds. This is a what next moment. So what's going to happen? You know, what is he going to do next? And so the next story that's recorded in the scripture takes Jesus goes to the temple. He is deliberate. He is angry. He overturns tables. He drives out the money changers. He is determined. He is aggressive. He is angry. He made sure that those things which did not belong in the temple of the Lord, that they were no longer there. The Bible says that God no longer dwells in the temples that are made by our human hands but that he dwells in the hearts of his children. That is you and I. And when we first come to Jesus, when you receive Jesus in your heart, he comes in and he cleanses your temple. He turns over the table of your old life. He shakes you a little bit. He makes you uncomfortable with sin. Because you cannot have God in your life and remain the same. God is a God of change. 
And so he drives out the thief who steals and who kills and who destroys. And then he takes up residence in you. But when he comes, he's not like that visitor who comes and stays for a few days and then he goes away. Because in our human nature, we need him to turn our tables once in a while, right? Perhaps it's minute to minute. Perhaps it's day by day even. There are times when we have set up things above the Lord. There are times that we are carrying things in our hearts that are not honorable to him. We have bitterness. We have unforgiveness. We're not living in love. And so we need Jesus to continue to shake us a little bit to make you and I uncomfortable with sin. And that is the beauty that Jesus never loses his zeal and his passion for you. That he's continuously wanting to stretch out his hand to bring you to himself. And so I want us to be still. If you have never known Jesus, then today is that day. Today is the day that he can drive out that darkness. He can give you peace. He can give you love. He can renew your hope for tomorrow in that temple of your soul from where all the things come from. And all you need to do is to believe in him and to cry out, Ho, Hosanna, save me. And so today, let us be still. Let us search our hearts and we ask Christ to point us to that which offends him and ask him to lead us along the path of everlasting life. Our fifth lesson is about fruitfulness. This year as a church, our focus is growing deep, so deeply rooted in the word of God and also being fruitful, bearing fruit. Bearing fruit. And as we think about this, as we are walking with Jesus, we come across a very odd occurrence, which is in the scripture, is in Matthew 21. It says in the morning, as Jesus was returning to Jerusalem, he was hungry and he noticed a fig tree beside the road. He went over to see if there were any figs because he was hungry, but there were no leaves. Then he said to this tree, may you never bear fruit again. And immediately that tree dried and it withered up. So Jesus, of course, was hungry. But this story is not about Jesus leading a snack, right? Fig trees in that time were a symbol of health of the nation, both in prosperity, you know, they were rich and they were doing well and the economy was doing well. But it's also a symbol of, um, of their health spiritually. So the cursing of the fig tree was a representation of the temple because Christ had found it barren. It, he had found it dishonoring God. He had found it not producing any fruits of righteousness. But here Jesus is also talking about us, us as God's children. We might be beautiful on the outside. We, we have beautiful leaves. We are green and we are luscious. But we are not bearing any fruit. Jesus doesn't want us just to look good on the outside. He wants us to reach out and go out in every place where you, he has planted you. 
Because if we believe that the Lord knows the beginning of creation to the end, then we must believe that where you are, he intended for you to be there for a time such as this. That's where you have been planted. That is where the requirement for you to be fruitful lies. It doesn't lie in tomorrow when you have more money, when you've moved to a bigger community, when you're doing better. Right now, the Lord is calling you to be fruitful. So I want us to be still. And to not make a habit of just asking the Lord for things that help us to look beautiful. The nice car, those things that we feel esteem us. But to ask God to help us to be fruitful in the kingdom. And when you make this prayer to the Lord, he is faithful and he always answers. So I ask you, how will you choose to be fruitful? wherever you are. Our sixth lesson is on serving and loving. I don't know if there's anybody here who is like me. I'm a neat freak. When I leave the house in the morning, I want my cushions at a 90 degree angle where I left them. That's where I want them when they come back in the evening. But alas, who is God who likes to shake us? He gave me, he gave me the gift of a 10 year old. And we are in the season of what we are calling nowadays character, character development. And so you're seeing, can you put this properly? Can you put this properly all the time? But this is where her journey is. You know, she's a child. She's acting like a child, right? But the danger of it for me as a parent is that I can get so distracted with fixing that I miss out on the loving. I love this scripture in John 13. The Lord says this, teacher, you call me teacher and Lord. You are right because that is who I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you too need to wash the feet of others. I have given you an example to follow. And so do as I have done to you. And so this scripture takes us back to a very comfortable place. It's yet again a place where each of us would be comfortable. There are people gathered around a table. Christ is there and they are celebrating the Passover. Christ stands up from the table. He takes his robe and he wraps a towel around his waist. He pours some water into a basin and then he goes to wash the feet of the disciples. He knelt down and he washed the feet of the disciples. So you can imagine in that time, they've been walking from, I don't know, Samaria, Jerusalem. You know, they've been walking around, spreading the word of God. So their feet, they are dusty. Maybe they are smelly, you know. But Christ washed their feet. And Christ could have given this story, could have given this story in a parable. But he didn't. He chose to demonstrate this loving and serving. This is the commandment that he gives. Love one another just as I have loved you. Christ loved you to the uttermost. I want to encourage us to be so moved by this that we grasp on it 
and that we make it our own. Let us choose to live our lives and make choices every day that reflect that we acknowledge every single day just how much we are loved. And so I want you to be still and to reflect on what you're willing to lay down for another. What sacrifices are you willing to make for another? How can Christ shake you up so that you can step out of your comfort zone and go out and love and serve? And so when we are called disciples, it means that we are following somebody. Isn't that right? And so if you follow somebody, it means that you believe in them, that you see the value system that they have, that you should be emulating who they are. And so when we are followers of Jesus Christ, we should be emulating Christ in loving and in serving. Our seventh lesson is obedience to the will of God. In our journey, working with Christ today, we are in Gethsemane. It is the garden. And by the way, Gethsemane means olive press. It was a place where the community brought all of their olives so that they could be pressed and then they could be turned into oil. And here we meet Jesus and he's deeply troubled. He says, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. In no other time in scripture are we opened up to the emotions of Jesus more than this particular time. He falls to the ground and he cries to his father. Abba, father, everything is possible for you. Please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet not my will but yours be done. Jesus experienced human emotions, the ones that we have, that you and I have. He was doubting. He was, you know, he knew the pain was coming. And so he begged his father, take away this cup. But at the end, he chose to obey his father's will. I ask you to be still. Reflect on the difficult moments of your life. What motivation it is, is it that you use to get you out of troubled times? And that motivation can only be that which is beyond the world's understanding. Can you trust the Lord? Can you trust in his word? Can that trust that you have in the Lord be your motivation? Can you rest in his promise that he has good and he has perfect plans for you? Can you stop doing the work of the Lord? The sovereign God. If you believe in him completely, then let that be your absolute motivation. That you trust him and you believe him and walk behind him courageously. Hebrews 12.3 says, gives us a window for the motivation that Christ had. It says, for the joy set before him that Christ endured the cross, 
And so Christ's motivation was relationship. Jesus endured anguish so that you and I could have a relationship with the Lord. Jesus chose you. He chose you. And so today I want to invite us again to be still and to ask yourself, do you really trust the Lord? Do you really trust in his word? And have you really stood and chosen to live your life in a way that demonstrates that you trust the Lord? Our last lesson today is embracing God's good and perfect plan for our lives. Today, think of Jesus' resolution to die. Reflect on the fact that he had a nature just like yours. That Christ had emotions. That he had a family. That he had built relationships. He had brothers and he had sisters. He potentially even had some nice spaces that he loved to go to. Maybe there was a Karura forest at that time and he loved to go there for some quiet time. But Jesus chose to leave all of that behind. And he set his face and made a decision that he would walk to Jerusalem. He would face Jerusalem where he knew he would be whipped, that he would be beaten, that he would be spat on and he would be mocked and he would be crucified. That is what he chose. And so sometimes we might not see this as a miracle. We might even think, oh, it was just a simple, you know, thing of betrayal that Judas did. It was just a bit of deceit. Perhaps it was just the Sanhedrin. They were very jealous, of course, as anybody who in power might be. They were just envious. Or perhaps it was just Pilate, who was just not a courageous man, you know? That he just couldn't make the right choice. That he washed his hands and said, he's no longer my responsibility. You do with him what you will. That's not my choice. Christ was not accidentally mixed up in a web of injustice. He was not what today we would call that he was just at the wrong place at the wrong time. His death was not an afterthought. Because God, our Father, planned it all out of infinite love for us. And he appointed that time. It is not what we would call bad things happening to good people. Because in Luke 9.51, it says that Christ was resolute. So the dictionary meaning for resolute is admirably purposeful. It is determined. It says it is unwavering. And so Christ was unwavering as he walked towards Jerusalem as he faced Jerusalem. Christ, who was the very embodiment of his father's love for us, 
saw that the time had come and he was determined to fulfill the mission for which his father had sent him for our sake. And this is what he affirms in John 10, 18. He says, no one takes my life from me. I lay it down of my own accord. I will read that again. No one takes my life from me, Jesus said. I lay it down on my own accord. Not an accident. Not a mishmash of unfortunate circumstances. A choice. A choice for you. A decision for you. A painful decision. A humiliating one. Jesus chose you. Jesus chose us. I invite us again to be still. To listen to the voice of the Lord. What decision are you willing to make in order to honor Christ who set his face to Jerusalem? For you. He chose you. And so brothers and sisters, this is just not any other week. We cannot run through it in all the craziness of all the things that we put ahead, all the activities that we have set about to do in this week. We cannot run through this week as if it is any other week. You must still yourself. I invite you this week to read the scripture, to walk with Christ as he journeyed to the cross and imagine that you were there with him. This is a week of reverence. I want to welcome anyone here in the sanctuary and even those who have been watching us online. If you do not know Jesus, if you have not received him as your Lord and your Savior, that Christ is welcoming you. That one prayer that you make when you say Hosanna or save me, the Lord will always, always answer. Christ said that if you believe Jesus in your heart and that he was raised from the dead, that you will be saved. That is all. It's as simple as that. Christ has given you this gift. Are you willing to accept it? And so I intentionally ended this sermon a little bit earlier because I want us to pause and be still. I want us to reflect on what Christ did for you. I want us to bow our heads in prayer, in reverence, 
and in humility to Christ our Lord. This is just not any other day. It's not any other week. It is the week that Christ gave to you so that you would be here and you would have a hope for everlasting life. And so I want to welcome our prayer deacons, our counselors, our elders, and our staff to just come forward. If you have a prayer, even if it's a prayer of thanksgiving, you want to join with somebody to just say, thank you, Lord, that you stretched out your hand so that I would be saved. I want you to come forward. So prayer counselors, elders, our deacons, and our staff, Please come forward and every head bowed in reflection, in reverence. Think about this week. Think about it that Lord, he turned his face to Jerusalem. That he walked to Jerusalem. He knew it was a difficult journey. He knew he was going to be beaten. He knew he was going to be spat on. And he did that because he loved you so very, very much. Tomorrow we start a season of prayer and of fasting. In this church, we are about 1,000 adults. I want to welcome you to set aside time to join the time of prayer. Can you sacrifice that time and join and come just to reflect on Jesus? Can you step away from your business can you step away from those things that consume us so much that we forget to keep our eyes on the Lord? With every head bowed, as we give thanks to the Lord, for your own life, think about what Christ has done. When you look back to the journey of your life, you have a testimony of his presence. And that blessed assurance is because of what Christ did in this week. Let us be still. Father, we want to thank you because you are a good God. You are a faithful God. We thank you that you set your face to Jerusalem. That you made a choice. You chose us over everything so that we could have life and have it richly and have it in everlasting. Let us not forget that it is never because of what we do, but it is because of your everlasting love for us. Jesus, we welcome you into our hearts, into our lives. We pray that we would meditate on the word, we would walk with it as we go and as we come, as we sleep and as we rest. That we would remember that word and continuously keep our face 
on you, our Lord and our God. And so we want to thank you. We want to glorify your name. Work in us, work through us. Trim us, shake us, make us uncomfortable with sin. It is in Jesus' name that we pray and we believe. And all of God's children said, all of God's children said, Amen. I'm going to ask anybody, if you have a prayer, please don't hesitate um, to come forward. Feel free to just be still and turn your hearts towards Jerusalem. Thank you so much. Has this message challenged you? We hope that it has been a blessing in your life. If you would like to give your life to Christ or talk to or pray with someone, kindly reach us on WhatsApp 0721 990 880. God bless you.